Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked on Flames. Yesterday, we spent plenty of time talking about the superstar in Johnny Gaudreau. But who are the overlooked players that are most likely to be X-Factors in the Flames series against Jets? Plus, we'll get into what we think life in the NHL bubble could be like and how that impacts on-ice play. And we recap uh, the Flames' second intra-squad scrimmage. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. How are you doing today, Sean? Doing well. It's hot in Calgary today. (laughs) This is 27 degrees. I think we only get to 27 degrees like twice a year. Um, So I spent my whole day inside, which is great. I'm taking advantage of it well. And be sure to follow and subscribe to Locked on Flames for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day, Monday through Friday. So today, Sean and I are going to list our three X-Factor players ahead of the Flames' play-in series against the Jets after we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about Johnny Hockey. And if you missed yesterday's episode, go back and listen to it. It was the first one with Sean, and I think it went really great. Let us know. So in terms of your top three X-Factors, who starts your list at number three? Well, I'm going to go with Andrew Mangiapane, Jess. Um, he is, I think, the you know, definition of an X-factor. So I do have him at number three. Um, at the time the season was paused, this guy was on fire. He had seven goals and 11 points in his last 10 games uh, leading up to the season being put on hold. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and do a little more research, but I'm not sure if there would have been anyone hotter um, at the time than him. Also, like just generally in Mangiapane's game, when I watch him play, he kind of has that jam that you love in the playoffs, like loves to score, but also isn't afraid to be physical. Um, I think of a guy like Michael Furlan when he dominated the Canucks and got in that big rivalry with Kevin Bieksa back in 2015. That Michael Furlan player was, I think, a playoff X factor to a T. And I think Mangiapane can do that. Um, Maybe not be as physical as Furlan, but what also Mangiapane has that Furlan doesn't have uh, is the ability to score. So uh, at number three on my list, I got Mangiapane as the Flames X factor against the Jets. I definitely agree. I really was rooting for him, like right before the pause, obviously, because because he was really coming into his own there and just he was really breaking out. And I believe it's a contract year for him as well. It is. Yes. you're right. So that, you know, puts a few extra points on his side when it comes to negotiating. How about number three on your list, Jess? So um, I wrote this before the scrimmage. And uh, I had David Riddick (laughs) because we were, I mean, I was going off the assumption that he's starting and, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad of a year as people were making it out to be because, you know, there, I mean, there was a significant drop off from last season, but goalie controversy is great conversation and it can get blown out of proportion. And I mean, he's supposedly healthy now. But he did just allow five goals in a scrimmage. So who knows? (laughs) See, I was thinking about when we decided to do an X-Factor list, I was thinking of doing the goaltending angle as well, just because Mm -hmm. it is so easy with this team right now. Um, But rather than putting David Riddick or Cam Talbot's name down, I was just going to put X-Factor whoever starts game one, because as of right now, at least, we have no idea. (laughs) So um, the fact that you named a goalie, I like it. It's bold. You kind of know you have an idea, at least, who's starting. Um, 
I said Riddick yesterday, as the day has progressed, well, not even the day, as 24 hours has elapsed between when we recorded yesterday and today, I think it's gotten a lot less clear for me. Um, and not even because of the scrimmage today. I just realized how good Talbot was when the calendar flipped to 2020. I mean, 2020 has been an awful year for the world, but um, prior to the season starting, Talbot was having a really good calendar year after January 1st. So um, I definitely agree. Goaltending, regardless of who's starting in that, yep. is going to be an X factor in this series. Um, just shifting here to number two. Why don't you start this time? I started number three. You can start with number two. Sure. So I said Sean Monahan. Um, he has a really small sample size for playoffs. So it's hard to get a real read on how he'll perform. But he did have 48 points this season uh, with 22 goals and 26 assists. So he's he's there. And I think if that chemistry um, on the first line continues and, you know, they can get that back to where it once was, it will be really great to see. I think you could have put either Monaghan or Goudreau on this list as X-Factors. Now, normally when you think of the term X-Factor in sports, you don't think of the star players on a team like Monaghan or Goudreau would be. But to be fair, Monaghan or Goudreau didn't really perform like star players, in, at least in the regular season um this past or i guess this season this regular season prior to the stoppage so i i think it's fair to have monahan on the list you could have put monahan or goudreau my number two is very similar just to my number three it's dylan dube and you could honestly interchange mangiapane or dube um so i'll read a quote that flames head coach jeff ward actually said uh during this summer training camp so um on speaking about dube's rise in the nhl to that of mangiapane jeff ward said quote when he has a chance to make plays and he makes them, he's a much more effective player. That's where we see his skill come out. It's not unlike Manji when he came here. Uh, we were pushing to the same things and he got to a level where he was confident. We're confident in Dylan's game will follow Manji's. So basically what Ward is saying to me is once Manji Apane realized what he could do in the NHL and was confident about it, he exploded to what I just talked about previously um, when I had Manji Apane as an X factor. So Basically, the point I'm making is if Dubé can play with the same confidence that Mangiapane has developed, uh, I think Dubé has a real chance to be a difference maker in this series. I definitely agree with you. And I think it really is all about confidence. I mean, when it comes to any game you're playing, but especially in the playoff series, um, you know, you're coming off of a, what is it, three, four month break. Right. And you might not have that same you know, momentum underneath you, but now's the chance to prove yourself, you know, find that confidence, talk to the veterans in the locker room who've been where you, where you are now and can just be like, Hey, like, what can I do? How can I build myself up? How about number one, Jess, who is the number one X factor going into this series against the Jets for yourself? I have to say Andrew Mangiapane because like you talked about, he was on fire in those last 10 games and I just I thought that he was like I said before coming into his own the pause was probably detrimental to him just because of like how the way that he was trending just inc absolutely incredible so right. I'm excited to see him come back right. yeah he could definitely be number one I think on any x-factor list um, in terms of the playoffs um, I just think that even though like you said the pause might be detrimental 
And we just talked about confidence. The fact he has something to look back on in his 10-game stretch leading up to the pause, just the fact he knows what he's capable of, I think, can help uh, with the confidence thing a lot. Looking at number one on my list, just to wrap up this segment, I'm going with Sam Bennett. So yesterday, we talked about Johnny Goudreau's struggles in the playoffs on his career as a whole and how he usually does very well in the regular season. Um, Sam Bennett, as we said yesterday, is the complete opposite of that. He struggles a bit in the regular season, but in the playoffs, uh, this guy has been on fire. And we all know the crazy circumstances surrounding this return to play. So in terms of X factors, I want to know, can Sam Bennett be the Sam Bennett of the playoffs uh, that we all know he's been, which has been an amazing player um, in the most important times? And I, you know, it's so hard to like read these players because of the circumstances. But I think that Sam Bennett does deserve to be number one on the list as well. Very nice. So still to come, Jess, the Flames had their second scrimmage against their own teammates. Very exciting. Uh, In scrimmage number one, there was a clear line that stood out. So what did we learn from scrimmage number two? Was there a similar line that stood out? Uh, Stay tuned to Locked On Flames. Locked On Flames rolls along on this Tuesday. Coming up, Sean and I will discuss what we think life in the bubble could potentially look like for the Flames. But first, today we are going to talk about the simulated game. Flames versus Flames. Uh, Sean, what did you, you know, take away from this? So one thing I took away that was a little scary. First off, when the game started very early in the scrimmage, Matthew Kachuk blocked a shot. Um, or at least had a puck deflect off his ankle and then kind of limped to the bench. But he didn't miss any shifts or didn't miss any time, so it looks like he's okay. He even scored later in the scrimmage. Um, But something that wasn't as okay as Kachuk's injury was Lindholm, who actually left uh, the inter-squad game early. Uh, We don't have any information on Lindholm's injury at the time of this recording, but just the fact that Lindholm actually left, didn't return, Kachuk did have a brief scare there, the injury bug popped back in my head. So for so long, we've been focusing on who's going to miss time because of illness or the coronavirus. I kind of forgot about guys getting hurt and guys get hurt in practice or in training, not all the time, but it does happen. So um, one thing that jumped out to me is just how fragile, I guess, things are. Um, Not that hockey players are fragile, but at any moment you could lose a key player like an Elias Lindholm or Matthew Kachuk um, to something other than the coronavirus. So injury bug i completely forgot about it in these four months uh, but it is back it came back hard for two of the flames uh, better players for sure definitely i think that you know we all forgot about the injuries because we're so focused on wearing masks in the bubble and traveling safely and getting you know everybody quarantined before we can even get on the ice but <laughs> injuries are going to happen and hopefully Lindholm is just, you know, maybe a little sore. Maybe it wasn't anything serious. Right. Fingers crossed. I feel kind of stupid saying I forgot about injuries. Like, it's like saying I forgot about scoring goals in hockey, right? Like, but it's true. Like, I just completely forgot. And it's it's kind of um, crappy, especially on the Lindholm front, because Pat Steinberg of Sportsnet 960, the fan here in Calgary, he did tweet out early in the scrimmage that that could draw Monaghan-Lindholm line. The Flames' first line was flying Mm -hmm. in the period, in the first period. Um and I was wondering at the time prior to the Lindholm injury, just we talked about it with Mangiapane. Maybe did he lose some confidence in the four-month break as an individual? How about as a group of three, the Goudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm line? If you basically, let's say you and I as co-hosts, um, we develop really good chemistry, but then we take four months off. Do you think we lose it? Like how hard is it going to be for this Goudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm line to kind of rebuild that chemistry in a quick two-week kind of rush up to the playoffs? Do you think uh, that's going to be an issue at all? I 
you know, I would say yes, but at, at the same time, like maybe they have like really good friendships off the ice. So, you know, like they're playing video games together and, you know, like that emotion, not emotional chemistry, but like that interpersonal relationship chemistry right. is there. So like, it's maybe a little bit easier than you know, people you don't talk to on a daily basis to all get on the same page. Right. And the one thing about this too, I think at the point I would make, if Gaudreau Monaghan and Lindholm, let's say, you know, they're kind of struggling to pick up the on ice chemistry after so much time off. And then the playoff atmosphere is just so intense. Well, I guess not an atmosphere because there's no fans, but <laughs> the playoff pressure they're putting on themselves is so intense that it kind of makes the chemistry thing a little harder. The good thing for them is that the Winnipeg Jets would be in the exact same boat. Yep. So all the Jets offensive stars, perhaps they have to struggle building up chemistry as well, because guess what? They've had the exact same amount of time off as the Flames. Um, they have to deal with the same circumstances in terms of training camp and a rough estimate of how many days they have to kind of build up to the playoffs. So the one thing about this, uh, I think every team's probably having this question of what's the chemistry going to be like coming back. Um, and every team's probably worried about it. But the one point that I think everyone should understand and try to remember um, is that not only do are they worrying about it, but so are their opponents. So I think that kind of works out in their favor. Definitely. I think that it, in a way, it does level the playing field. And we don't know what we're getting. We don't. Right. It's, it's, right. it's chaotic. It's fun. Um, but what isn't fun is uh, David Riddick giving up five goals. Yes. That is um, a big red flag just waving, I feel like, in my do face. Think, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> like, can we make red flags out of inter-squad scrimmage games? That's because like, we kind of talked about it yesterday. Like, do the Flames know who's starting game one already? Have they made their decision already? And so right. if the answer is no, they have not made their decision already, then I think the question becomes, what are they going to base their decision off of? Is it going to be based off of what happens in this little summer camp and that one game against Edmonton that they have before they have to face the Jets? Because um, that would be a hard you know, sample size to base off a such a big decision and you're starting goalie in a five-game series. So in my opinion, wh- whoever they decide, I, you know, I can't really blame them for their decision because I think there's cases to be made for both Riddick and Talbot. Mm-hmm. I just think that that decision should be made off of the regular season that was, um, even though there's been a four-month break. I would just feel a lot more comfortable making a decision based off um, that 70-game sample as opposed to, hey, Riddick gave up five goals in an inter-squad scrimmage. It was our second one out of three. Um, Talbot's going to start now. And of course, like, going back to you know this is a scrimmage and you're probably not putting in the same amount of physicality that you would in a regular game right right. so it's just kind of like okay i'm not gonna stretch myself out right and if i remember correctly jeff ward was asked about something to this effect after that first scrimmage um and he basically defended riddick by saying you know he had no chance on a lot of these so that kind of plays off of to what you're saying even like just looking at the defensemen like in an nhl playoff game it's so physical in front of the net there's not going to be that same level of physicality at this inter-squad scrimmage just because you know you don't want to have mark giordano breaking johnny goudreau's ankle (laughs) right that would be so crazy (laughs) um so the defensemen in front of riddick in this inter-squad scrimmage probably aren't as tight as they would be um against the jets which you know kind of would lead to five goals as opposed to maybe it would have been three if the Jets had similar opportunities. So I think that Jeff Ward making that defensive Riddick by saying, 
previously, not before today's scrimmage where he gave up five, but previously saying, you know, he didn't really have a chance on a lot of those and, you know, they're not his fault. Um, I think that's a good point to make. Like, maybe not read into five goals given up against in an inter-squad scrimmage, um, but instead maybe look at the positive and look at how um, the offense that scored against him was able to, you know, put up some pretty passing plays and, and score some goals despite having four months off. So still ahead in the show, we've mentioned life in the bubble being difficult for all NHL players, but what are some of the challenges we're anticipating players for what they're actually going to encounter? Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. Friendly reminder that you can join the conversation with the show at LO underscore Flames. So we've talked about how life in the life for the Flames is going to be different in the NHL's Edmonton bubble. But what are the actual challenges of life? You know, of their people, their humans. Right. No, we see them as these amazing superstars. Right. They they have lives outside of hockey, and you know what will what impact will that have on the ice? So one thing that stuck out to me right away when thinking about like just the human things they're going to have to deal with is just their schedule change. So you know you think of a normal human and a normal job they work nine to five, right? So. Um, for hockey players, they mostly play in the evenings, you know, eight o'clock local time or whatever it is. Uh, but their second game against the Jets is at 1230 in the afternoon. And then their third game is at 445. So that's, you know, eight hours roughly and roughly four hours earlier than they're used to. So imagine if you start work at 9 a.m. and then your boss tells you, hey, you got to come in eight hours earlier. Like that would be nope. <laughs> crazy right now. It, you know, it's not obviously as extreme an example for the Flames and the rest of the NHL that they have to deal with that schedule change because, you know, it still is in, in the daytime. You're not showing up. Of course. What, what is that? 1 a.m.? Um, <laughs> But still, you know, it's an adjustment. They, these guys, you know, it's cliche, but hockey players are routine, cre- like routine animals, and they kind of do everything on a schedule. But now that schedule's changing, and everything's condensed as well. So um, I think this time change of, the, you know, the starting times for the games, I don't know if it's going to have a significant impact of the on-ice play, but it's going to be just another thing to a long list of adjustments that these guys are going to have to make. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, they're creature of habit. So, like, and it's just such a big difference, even going from, like, like having a 12.30 game one day. So, we got to get up whenever you get up for that. Right. And then do your morning routine and stretch and all that. And then, you know, I mean, I don't think they're sitting around and waiting for, <laughs> to clock no. in like no. like most people do. No. But, um. Like a, and then there's a huge difference between a game at 4.45 later in the day and then an 8.30 game. I mean, they could watch the other games. I think that they mentioned that there's going to be a little lounge area mm. or something. So I don't know, like, I'm just like picturing like a hotel lobby with like TVs and stuff. So, I mean, maybe... Right. I've seen some fun things from the NBA where like guys are fishing. I think yeah. JJ Redick maybe was like shotgunning a beer in a floaty. <laughs> so if the life in the NHL bubble is as fun as the NBA, I'm sure these guys will have plenty of fun. But, you know, 
for at least for me from an outsider's perspective, just kind of thinking of things for these guys to do outside of work, it's really hard because um, the way I see it now is these guys go to the hotel and then they go to the rink and then they go to the hotel and then they go to, like they go to work and then they go to the hotel and then they go to work and then they go to right. the hotel. There's no, you know, if a team loses, it's like NHL lore that if a team gets beat really badly on the road, the team all goes to the bar and basically like drinks off the bad game, just has a nice fun night out with the yeah. teammates and kind of forgets about the crappy game. I don't think they can do that obviously at all in the NHL bubble. Um, so their life away from work, their ability, I guess, to get away from the game is going to be significantly impacted. And I just wonder if there's going to be any sort of like mental wear down, especially for these teams that make it to the conference finals and the cup final where they're in this bubble for months, it's going to be hard for these guys to escape from work. So it might almost feel like they're at work endlessly for months on end, which would obviously Definitely. cause some sort of mental wear and tear. And I feel like we saw that with people like during this quarantine, it's like, oh, I'm working from home. And I guess I, <laughs> like I work in my office and then, oh, I, I go to bed. Right. Like, there's, there's no, no separation. And I think that a lot of people struggled with that because you're not used to just being confined. Like we're human beings. We like to have fun. You know, we have to deal with our emotions in one way or another. And whether that be going to the bar to drink off a bad loss or going fishing or going golfing, like I feel like it limits their outlets. Right. And then there's the whole other layer of, you know, the guys who are older on the flames and, you know, have our dads and have kids yep. and have wives. Like that's obviously a great way for them to escape under completely normal circumstances. They go home, they don't even think about hockey because they're dealing with the family life and um, that's something that they love. You know, that's not gonna be mixed in as much in the bubble. It's probably not gonna be mixed in at all. So um, I believe I heard something that for the conference finals and the cup finals, the families will come into the bubble. Uh, I'm not sure if that's entirely true, but still, if you have to wait a couple months to be reunited with your family as a hockey player who has kids and, you know, you probably consider your first job to be a dad more so than a hockey player, that's going to be a big adjustment for these guys. Absolutely. And I did see the same thing regarding uh, the conference and cup finals where families could come, right. which is okay. nice. I'm, I'm glad that, well, I first I hope that there's some truth to it. And second of all, like, I really, I can't imagine the sense of relief that it would feel, you know, to be around your family again and finally see them after months on end. Because from, you know, Sunday, I think, is when the Flames go to Edmonton. Right. So imagine having to go from, you know, the third week of July until September to see your your babies and your wife like that would be i that would be so challenging so that was pretty pretty deep pretty tough <laughs> um obviously i have no uh i can't sympathize with these guys at all as i'm not a parent myself but one thing i can have fun with and can laugh at is in the mls chess and also in mm -hmm. the nba there's been a few, I guess, fire festival-like photos of yes. what the food that has been served to these athletes has looked like, where it's been, you know, maybe a Tupperware thing of watermelon and then some mm -hmm. pasta. And, you know, it's like, well, what is this, right? It's not, it's not the <laughs> amenities not these steak. guys are used to. So yeah. another area where I can't sympathize with the Flames is that, you know, having that first-class treatment and, you know, getting that steak dinner every night. Like, 
I, I have a lot of confidence that Toronto and Edmonton are going to be fabulous host cities and, you know, pull this off the right way. Um, but, you know, I, there would have to be an adjustment if the NHL players are in a similar way complaining like MLS and NBA athletes to where these guys aren't getting the food and, you know, that first class catering that maybe they're used to. Um, you know, it's just one of a thousand adjustments these guys will have to make. Yeah. You know, I think that it was just kind of funny to see people. I think it was like Rajon Rondo complaining about, um, his hotel room and the right. hotel room was like nicer than any hotel right. I've ever seen. Exactly. exactly. And it would just, I, and I don't know if we'll see that from hockey players and really the flames players, because they don't, they're not as active on social media oh, that's, as yeah. I feel. But I do think maybe we do get some stories from the media and eventually kind of hear about behind the scenes things but i would love to see what the two hub cities do because like you said i think that they're going to be fantastic hosts and um maybe mls and nba players will be a little jealous yeah i don't like i've looked up the they, they publicized the list of the hotels that these guys are going to in, yeah. in both toronto and edmonton and you look them up and they're you know they're very nice hotels like it's <laughs> yeah. it's not the motel six or whatever in edmonton so um, like i said off the top i'm confident that they won't run into this issue but you know clearly proven by the mls and the nba you know the players might complain about whatever amenities that they're uh, right. being treated to so you know, the, the last adjustment I think I would bring up and it's one, you know, it's more of an on ice thing is just the actual amount of time that these guys have to build up to a playoff run. So you think about a normal season, you have 82 games and then you go into the playoffs after a brief, brief break. This is like, hey, scrimmage against yourselves and then play one random game against Edmonton. And then, oh, by the way, now you got to start the most important part of the year against <laughs> right. the Jets in the playoffs, right? So um, it's like, imagine doing your normal job, but having your time to prepare cut down literally by a hundred times. Like these guys have no time to prepare. And I just wonder how hard it'll be to actually get themselves ramped up to a normal playoff uh, mode that they go into. Oh, absolutely. And I just think of it as like, as somebody who works in retail, it's like if we go from like, oh, nice, quiet, like summer where there's no, not a lot of sales. And then all of a sudden it's like Black Friday where, oh, you actually have to be on your game 100%. Like you can't slip. You can't right. mess up. So it's like, will, will they be able to? I mean, I feel like hockey players are some of the most mentally strong people that I mean, obviously you have to be strong in all aspects to play any professional sport, but the physicality in the game and things like that, I really think that, you know, it'll be okay. Yeah. I, th I think it'll be okay. I think, well, like I said earlier, everyone's going to be on the same playing field. So um, even if the Flames are struggling with, you know, ramping themselves up for a normal playoff, you know, feeling, um, the Jets mm -hmm. might have the same issue or the Oilers and the Blackhawks might have the same issue. Um, so at least it's a level and fair playing field. Definitely. And have, has there been any talk of like pumping in fan noise at all? Because I know that the MLB is working on that. So one thing I did hear in regards to the actual audio of the game is that they're going to be on a five second delay yes. um, for the national broadcast. So, you know, if you're excited maybe to hear a little extra uh, language from hockey players, uh, that might be taken away with um, all the broadcasters being on a five second delay and, you know, they can cut out the swears as they happen sort of thing. 
In regards to fan noise, I have no idea. I did see a hilarious tweet, though, from one of the Blue Jays reporters in Toronto where the, the Jays were pumping in crowd noise during one of their um, practices or batting practices. And one of the reporters literally thought that it was rain hitting the ceiling or hitting the roof. Oh and they're like, goodness. oh, man, it must be raining really hard in Toronto today. It sounds oh, like no. the roof is being pounded. But and then he realized, oh, wait, it was just the crowd noise being pumped in. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if the NHL is doing the same thing. The Flames have had uh, Beasley, their PA guy at the Dome. Um, he's been doing all his PA announcements when they score in their scrimmage. So if Kachuk scores, Beasley does his thing and says, goal scored by Matthew Kachuk. And they been playing music and stuff like that at the scrimmage. Um, I don't know what that'll look like in the actual game. I'm not sure if I want them to pump in the crowd noise, though, or any sort of artificial yeah. noise. I kind of just want the, the natural, organic aesthetic and nuance of what it sounds like to play hockey definitely I feel like it's just gonna be so weird to just look at an empty arena during the playoffs but it'll be an adjustment like we're just we're I'm happy to have hockey at this point coming up later in the week Sean and I will look ahead to the Flames first exit um first game against an opponent other than themselves as Calgary has an exhibition game lined up against the Oilers next Tuesday you can follow us over on Twitter at Just Belmosto and Sean underscore Lavery. And please be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app. And you'll get each and every episode uh, right to your phone or device as soon as it's available. Now, check out Locked On Jet, the Locked On Jets podcast for an opponent's perspective that will happen between Calgary and Winnipeg. Our boy Harrison Lee does a great job over there. And next week, we will have a few crossover episodes with him as we continue to tee up Flames versus Jets. Have a great day and see you tomorrow.